see ads of yourself pop up for just a pilot. <laughs> this show doesn't exist. <laughs> Fred and George. It's correct. Oh, Fred and George? Yes. There ah, there you Fred go. and George. That's what I'm here for. Is that their real names? Or those no, that's their, their names. characters' yeah. names. <laughs> that is why. James and Oliver Phelps, if you wanted to get. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. look at you. That's right. That that's names. why we brought Clark onto the show, so he can fact check things for there us. There you go. That's pretty, that's pretty much it. Brandon, I see we're already recording. Yep. All right. So we're going to go straight <laughs> into this. <laughs> this week, we speak with head brewer and co-founder of Old Irving Brewing, Trevor Rose Hamlin. This is episode 72 of The Malting Hour. What's the haps on the hops? Guy, yeast, and speech. This is The Malting Hour where we talk about our drink and tell you what we think every other week. And if we get drunk, well, we might slur our speech. Got the gift of gab, the friends we wish you had. Join us for a drink, join us for a laugh. Time is never wasted, where you getting wasted? The Malting Hour here, people, people take your places. People, people take your places. Welcome to the Malting Hour. I'm one of your hosts, Tony Golick, joined always with Brandon Winninger. And to my right, sitting way too close, Clark Fetrich. <laughs> Why did you seem so scared about that? Maybe I should get a little further away. I think so. Sorry. Uh, well, this is, this is you know, I don't know when this is coming out. Uh, <laughs> we have so many, I think we're going to push this one up a little bit, but this might be our very first episode of 2022, depending right. on where our, our, our schedule uh, aligns here so this is exciting because we're sitting here in the neighborhood uh we're you know actually between all three of us this is kind of like a central location between the three of us we are sitting inside old irving brewing and we finally made it here and who are we joined with today uh trevor rose hamblin head brewer and co-founder of oib fantastic would you like to throw your name in the, yeah. in the hat as well you can just jump on it's all right hey there this is matthew sales director <laughs> <laughs> sales director and liquid mage for Old Irving. The good news is is that the two mics between you guys actually pick up a lot, so this is going to be fun for me to edit later. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we're, we're excited to be here. Uh, for those of you who listen to the show, you know we have had a handful of Old Irving uh, beers. and uh, Just a handful. More than a handful. A yeah. more than <laughs> a handful. <laughs> you know, I just want to make it sound like we're obsessed, but we kind of are. Uh, Clark, did... did was on your list for your top beers for 2021 was that this year or last year yeah was it uh, well <laughs> let's we'll have to go to the tape we'll have to go to the uh, i believe a triple beezer was one of my yeah, uh, really? top oh. ones so. yeah yeah that's right you don't that. have to say that just because he asked you right in front of us <laughs> no yeah, i i i wouldn't have asked had it not just been fresh yeah. in my head because we were we just recorded it yesterday uh i didn't want to put you on the spot but yeah uh that was it was one of his oh you're right his last year was yeah uh one of the, it was another triple, very heavy yeah. IPA. <laughs> he just likes drinking your big old beers. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> Actually, one of our uh, Brandon, one of our favorite beers from you guys is the Prost or the Cinnamon Prost. Cinnamon Prost, so good, hilarious we, beer. We had done um, kind of a version of that. What was the we toast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. So we kind of tried to do something like that, and it was okay. When we had, it was shortly, like, two months afterwards, that came out for the first time. We had it, and, like, this is exactly what yeah, our beer should have tasted like. You guys were going for that flavor, yeah. and I stumbled on that flavor. Oh, fantastic. So <laughs> you can get so, into uh, that later if you want, say, but there's yeah, a story behind later. that one. Yeah, yeah fantastic. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Well, why don't, you, why don't you guys tell us a little bit about Old Irving for those who do not know, and if you don't know, sure. you're missing out. Yeah, and uh, yeah, for any of your listeners who may not know the area, obviously Old Irving is the neighborhood that we are currently in. I mean, just barely, though. No. Uh, so uh, a lot of people get confused. They'll drive here and be like, you're not on Irving Park, or you're not, you know, it's like, no, it's Old Irving, because that's the neighborhood. Yeah. Um, 
we are actually on Montrose. Uh, Sidekicks, the 4 a.m. karaoke bar across the street is Mayfair, technically. So within feet, this is like still my, in a It's in like my, my actual neighborhood where I live, we're two different wards. Right. My side of the street, I have one alderman. The other side of the street has a totally different alderman. Yeah, Chicago makes a lot of sense. So, so uh, <laughs> this is Old Irving Park. Um, some cool little bits of history about Irving Park. It is actually named after Washington Irving, a uh, famous writer who wrote Sleepy Hollow. Um, and so the uh, we have a little quote on the wall. They who uh, drink beer will think beer. Um, that's from Washington Irving. I'm learning um, a lot about this neighborhood. Yeah, 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 thank yeah, you yeah, for yeah. filling me in on where like, I live. Yeah, there's so funny. I mean, there's just cool little little tidbits, you know. I mean, um, when you go up to the bar in the tap room, that the bar top is all like old train car flooring because we're right down the way from the Blue Line, but also uh, Grayland Station, the original station that kind of connected Old Irving Park to downtown is the whole reason that people kind of migrated out here and wow. kind of started up kind of like a second downtown area with the six corners uh, where, um, where Milwaukee and Cicero and all that meet uh, right there in Irving the Park. The real six corners. The real, the, the OG six corners, <laughs> which, you know, I'm sure it was really impressive in its heyday and, and, they're, and they're always like trying to rebuild it the new, uh, you know, they're, they're just trying to like make it back to what it was. But when we moved into this area, I mean, it was just really apparent that there was one dense population. I mean, like if you look back in all these neighborhoods, there's tons of beautiful homes, there's tons of people, yep. and more importantly, people in our demographic. Absolutely. People who like beer. Um, and also, you know, like there's a lot of great stuff around here, but we felt like the one piece it was kind of missing was exactly what we do, which is kind of like, you know, um, brew pub, a little elevated with some like, you know, craft beer, and everyone should have uh, that joint like right down the street from them. And then, um, so we opened up in 2016, uh, very unsure of ourselves and how it was going to go. <laughs> and uh, that night we did like 800 covers or something like that. And we're like, oh, okay. Perfect. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think people were pumped. Yeah. And, um, and then, you know, we kind of started off on, on the track of, all right, we're a brew pub, you know, and we're going to make, you know, great, great food, great beer. And then we kind of designed the brewery, though, to be able to produce. I think it was kind of one of those things where we put it there just to be like, you know, maybe people will like our beer enough where we can put it in cans and maybe try to distribute it. And then, you know, we started getting some traction and then sure enough, now we're distributing. Uh, we're in uh, all of Illinois, all of Wisconsin. Matthew's helping to grow our brand here and doing an amazing job. We're about to hire another salesperson. Oh. Um, obviously, uh, it's been it's been awesome, so. Oh. All right, well, that's it for the interview. See you guys later. <laughs> so no, yeah, that, that, that's that's great. Yeah. Um, so what what was your you know kind of going into the the history of you personally? Um, what what's your history with beer? Sure. Um, well, it's it's been an arduous journey with beer. Uh, it started at a very young age, uh, in an abusive way. Uh, <laughs> where <laughs> I drink at first 30, 30 like racks of, of of bush light and then fill them with bricks and put them on sidewalks in East Lansing, Michigan, and wait for a drunk to come along and kick it. And then I would scream bricks in box until I puked from laughing. Uh, that's actually not untrue. Um, but I, you know, I love craft beer. I'm from Michigan originally. I moved out here uh, 12 years ago at this point. Um, being from Michigan, I, you know, I, you get your first sip of like Oberon or Two Hearted. Uh, for me, it was like my first love was uh, this place called Crunchies in East Lansing. And they had schooners, like these big freaking mugs 
of of this of uh, this craft beer that was chocolatey and decadent and high ABV. So they only let you have one, but I knew the bartender, so he let me drink more than one. And it was Dragon's Milk, and I was ah. like, oh, it's so good. And I didn't know craft beer could do this, and so you know, it was on special. I think it was like eight bucks for one of those wow. things. And I would drink two and be whoop. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, that's amazing. I only spent sixteen dollars. And I don't remember much. Wasted. And my mouth tastes like chocolate and bourbon. This is this is a, this is a fun thing. So that's um, kind of where it started. I I my um, I had like a childhood friend whose dad put on the Michigan uh, you know craft beer festival down in Ypsilanti, Michigan. And he was an avid home brewer, and he always had beer on tap. And I just was like, he was like a Renaissance man. I thought that was just like <laughs> the coolest thing to be able to drink Lewis's beer. And so I always like really admired that stuff. And then. Uh, you kind of skipped down the road a little bit. wasn't great in school, so obviously I did the the thing that people who aren't great in school do. I went to culinary school. There you go. I uh, got into a trade <laughs> profession, which hey man, no sweat. Uh, came out to uh, Chicago. I'd worked in kitchens all over Michigan. You know, kind of um, working lines wherever I could, um, busting suds, doing the whole you know that whole thing that chefs do. You start when you're like really really young yeah. to help your parents out and stuff, and you know you got you know we're, we're a poor family, and so. You know, I worked my way through, and then um, my buddy Garrett, uh, whose dad was like the editor in chief at the Chicago Tribune, uh, I'm working at a country club with this dude, and he's like a genius, and he's like got his own website. He's making this amazing food, and I was like, this guy knows what's up. Yeah. And he was thinking about going back to Chicago. Uh, you know, I was like, hey, I want to go to Chicago. I like it there. I have friends there. Let's yeah. go. He's like, I'm going to culinary school. I'm like, which one? <laughs> and he's like, this one, Kendall College. I was like, all right, I'm in. And so I came out, went to culinary school. Uh, he linked up with a restaurant called Moto. I followed him there. Um, Moto ended up being this, like, an amazing experience. Like, uh, we got a Michelin star eventually uh, while I was there. Um, I worked my way up from the kitchen um, to the, I was actually a lead line cook on the meat station of a fine dining restaurant as an intern. Um, So I was a six month intern at the end of that six months, I was kind of like lead line cook. And then they, uh, their cross train program, they put me on FOH. And so then eventually I served, bartended, became a manager. Then it was a GM and then I'm helping. Literally running the (laughs) entire game there. Yeah. Yeah, And then eventually I was doing like the books and like, you know, I'm helping Homaro Cantu run his empire. And one day the dude just looked at me and he's like, what is it you want to do? And meanwhile, I'm like, I'm the GM of a a fine dining restaurant. There's not many more demanding jobs except for the chef of that establishment. Because clearly those guys are the hardest working people, right? Absolutely. Um, And I was still taking my mornings and going and apprenticing uh, with breweries. I had this like secret love affair with beer and I had, uh, and I, and I had an, an area where I could do it. My boys at Flossmore station, uh, Bjorn, Quinn and Bill. Uh, if you don't know those names, you probably should. They're amazing guys. Uh, Bjorn is one of, uh, Bjorn Johnson is like one of the main brewers at Goose Island now. Uh, he's absolutely amazing. Quinn, uh, does R and D for them and does, uh, he wears a lot of hats. And then Bill was actually the director. Bill Savage was the director of, um, the entire barrel warehouse, oh, wow. uh, for a while. So okay. he was running that whole thing. Now he, he just went out to Michigan to work for virtue cider. Um, but these amazing people like train me in the morning. So I'd go in the mornings, <laughs> early as hell, mash in, dough in, grain out, put on a suit, put on my earpiece and go and serve people overpriced food. (laughs) That's how I learned the craft. Um, Wow. And then, you know, and I did it for, you know, free beer, which is great. And then uh, eventually Omar was like, 
yeah, you really like beer. Uh, what do you want to do with that? And I was like, there's like no brew pubs. At that time, there was very few brew pubs mm. in Chicago. I said, I think there's a huge opportunity in Chicago because I feel like it's like trembling. Like there's all these breweries, right? You got like Pipeworks and you got all these guys who are like, you know, building the foundation of what I think is going to be really big. And I'm like, we should, you know, get in there and do the food and the beer thing together. Yeah. And he's like, all right, let's do it. And so we started that path and eventually met my business partner, Jeff, uh, who just happened to live right across the street from him. After going down the road of a ton of different investors oh, wow. and different people who would, you know, sign up and you know, log out and yeah. everything else. And this guy, Jeff, just kind of, he had it. And when I, when I mean it, I mean money. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but he also, he also had like this really great personality that was clearly something that me and Omar were missing. We're both creatives. We're both, you know, dreamers. And I think Jeff had that, um, had that more organized, you know, kind of approach to things. And I think he actually saw it as something bigger than either Omar or myself could have ever seen it. Because we wanted to start a small system, way smaller than this. Mm -hmm. And Jeff is like, why? <laughs> we should make it bigger. Yeah. Like, he's like, just in case, you know. And he kind of wanted to err on that side, which, you know, two dudes. Omar was uh, basically homeless when he was a child. I was a poor kid. You know, we, got, we come into things, you know, with a shoestring budget and, and you know, kind of have to think small with hoping that it goes bigger and then grow from there. And Jeff is just like, yeah, don't worry about that. Let's go. And he <laughs> organized some investors and got them together. And Omar passed away. Oh. Uh, we weren't sure if we were going to keep the business going or not. Uh, we did. Um, after one drunken night at what is now Twisted Hippo, but at the time was... Um, one of the 12 breweries. Break, no, no, uh, break, uh, break Room. room. Break I always, I always yeah. want to say Breakthrough, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Break Room Brewery. Um, and it was kind of like our battle call. And all the investors were amazing. We sat down with them, and they stuck around. And I guess now the rest is history. So that's my that's my full history with beer. That was the best, yeah. like... Run through of someone's history. We've asked, you know, we've, we've, we've had plenty of interviews. I'm not knocking anybody else that's been on the show. Sure. We love them all. We love yeah, all of yeah. you. They've been on the show. Thanks a lot. But that was that was very, uh, very good. Thank Thanks. you. Thanks. I appreciate hearing all of that. There's a lot of history uh, uh, summed up in a nice long. Uh, I, we didn't have to say anything except for, mm hmm, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. And I'm sure people who listen to us yes, sometimes they're, they're like ready to not hear someone us. Else talk. Uh, you can ask my wife. I'm a good talker. <laughs> so we should, have you the show. we should have you on the show more often. <laughs> Got it. Wow, that, that is, that's a lot to, to kind of take in but that's you know have, we're thrilled that you're here you know we we all three of us we, we really do love what you guys do here uh, yeah. at old Irve. uh and i will say not i'm not taking away from me or you brandon but i do know that clark really is like a huge fan of that's old awesome Irve. father's day's birthdays that. i'm looking yeah. at my check-ins i'm like oh i was here on that important day i was here on that important day and oh right <laughs> oh, i remember awesome. that one where i well we, we we appreciate it and it and it never gets old hearing it you know i think because it was such a long and arduous journey to get where we were i mean i just mentioned some of the stuff you know there was yeah. still so much like so many other like little stories like involved in that that just were really really tough i mean we could talk about the last year we could talk about all this stuff but sure. to hear that someone likes our beer is just awesome and it's oh it's never not shocked like we when we put out krampus this year like we made twice the amount and my business partner is like me in a lot of ways where we're like well we don't want to like you know we made plans for the extra liquid because like are we really going to sell it all <laughs> and i think you know after that first like hour of it being on uh, osner we were like 
Oh, oh. oh. <laughs> okay, cool. Good thing we made all of that. Yeah, because we don't, we don't really get outside of these four walls. We kind of have like this like square three or four miles that we kind of like operate in, but yeah. we don't really understand the outside world. It's a bunch of numbers and, and Matthew coming in and telling us about stuff. You know, it's like... <laughs> Someone's got to be able to dissect it all for That's it. right. Exactly right. Yeah. I feel like I just get to tell a lot of stories that you guys are like, sure, that happened. Yeah. <laughs> we believe you. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I would... You know, circling back around just to, to the the building here, mm-hmm. um, you know, was this the first choice of where you guys wanted to be? Were there other neighborhoods that you guys were looking at? You know, th- there probably were. You know, we looked at a couple of other spaces. Um, this one was the one, though, I think Jeff, myself, and Omar, when he was still with us, we looked at and it just felt like a brewery. Sure. It was in the neighborhood. Um, the actual LLC name is Trip Brewery LLC because Omar and Jeff live on Trip. Oh, nice. Um, and eventual partners are of ours, Matthias Mergius and Folkart, who did an astounding job helping us open up and get going. Uh, Matthias and uh, his business partner Brian live right down the street on trip. I'm the odd one out. Mm-hmm. I'm also the youngest, uh, so uh, you know I was living in an apartment. I'm chef, right? Uh, working for free at breweries, working for beer. Doesn't really afford you uh, the kind of housing that those cats had sure. on, that, on that block. Um, but I did live very close, so I was living in Irving Park as well. Um, and when we all got here, we all loved the neighborhood. We knew it intimately, mm-hmm. right? We knew the area. Um, the only thing about it was, you know, there's not a lot around here. I sure. mean, it's, you know, it's a lot of, you know, uh, shops for cars. But we had sidekicks across the street, which I adore. And then <laughs> we have the blue line. And yeah. we know those things are smart. And we know, <laughs> and, and, you know, Jeff, uh, his background is in real estate. And I think, you know, if you're going to invest in an area, this is a smart area to invest in, whether you're a homeowner or a business owner, because you're right along the blue line. You're right near the airport. Mm-hmm. It's kind of right in between... Uh, the suburbs and downtown so you can kind of catch both yeah um, which makes for some like very interesting kind of array of humans you don't get like you know <laughs> when you're in Logan Square you get a very specific kind of human being yes. when you're out here you gotta get everybody so um, <laughs> but the uh, the neighborhood is just is so awesome I mean between uh, the churches and kind of how they play into um, the neighborhood, uh, Father Dom down at St. Ed's, you know, we work together a lot on things. He loves like Belgian beer and mm-hmm. Trappist style ales. Of course. Of course. He's a priest, <laughs> yeah. you know. Um, so that, it's that kind part's of a really cool. Um, St. Viator, who's uh, yeah. extremely connected to the neighborhood, you know, they do the beer and barbecue challenge every year. So we're very, you know, intensely connected to that. And it's kind of the first time in my life I've really had like that sense of community in a neighborhood ever in my life. I never thought it would be, I thought it'd be when I bought a home or something like that. I bought a home. I don't even know my neighbors' names. Uh, oh, I know one guy is a cop, the other person's Polish. I, you know, uh, well, that's not true. I know Chris. Chris is awesome. <laughs> you always want to know the cop. Yeah. Uh, but like, you know, around here, I know everyone's names. Yeah. You know, I've never yeah, yeah. felt more a part of something. So it's also really, really heartwarming to kind of know all these people intimately and to see them come in and enjoy and be thankful that you're here. And we saw it no more like beautifully than when the pandemic hit. And we were doing curbside pickup, and it was like a freaking Portillo's. Like, we had cars wrapped down the street. I'm running. I mean, I lost. I mean, I wish I could get those steps in still. <laughs> I lost, like, 20 pounds wow. running out to cars. I mean, it was terribly stressful because this is not built to be a Portillo's. We <laughs> never done anything like that. And we were, like, losing our minds and were terribly inefficient. But each one of them would say something, like, super nice. You know, like, yeah. we just want you to be here when this is all over. You know, and I was like, damn. Like, that was... That was pretty cool because it was really hard, but you get those little, look, the neighborhood taking care of you, you know? Yeah. So, and the building itself, you know, you can kind of see uh, as you look around the beer hall, obviously this 
I'm from Michigan. I like beer gardens. I think we all do. Uh, we don't have an outside space, so we got the big glass door that opens up. The garden lights that Rachel Kral from FC Studio uh, was brilliant enough to put in to kind of tie that in. And that's Matthias's wife. So she does all kinds of designs. She designed like Own an Engine, Billy Sunday. Oh, wow. She's just got a, a great uh, eye for design. And with this, it was very minimal touches, right? Like we kept a lot of the original tile work. I don't know what that was. That could have been like a bathroom back in the day, but it's just like this patch of weird tile. But I've never noticed that patch of tile. Yeah, it's just kind of there. And then the uh, the brick here is what they call Chicago brick. So the same brick that's inside of this building, you can actually see on the outside of that building. It's the most common type of brick uh, in Chicago. And then of course you got these dramatically high ceilings, which thank God for that because I am out of space on the floor. Yeah. And I just got a lift that can lift things up really high. So, <laughs> Sweet. Um, so I'm gonna be storing things upward. And then of course you have the uh, the tap room, kind of more of the bar feel. This yeah. is kind of more of the family feel. And then we used to have a game room. Now you'll see it's very full of cans, and it's not kind of an extension of the. Brewery. I was I was going to ask about that. I, I noticed that there was like oh, so we're not playing bags. Yeah, and I was sitting about to say your sons are going to be. Yeah, your sons are yeah. going to be upset. I know it sucks because the kids love that area, um, but you know during the pandemic uh, we had I think three beers and cans. I think we had like Della, Beezer, and Ancient Magic had mm -hmm. just dropped at that time, and it became pretty apparent pretty fast when people weren't going out anymore that the drinking didn't stop at home. No, and it escalated and so it was like oh god we need to package more beer and so i was spending a lot of my time running food and doing all that stuff and trying to make sure that my team wasn't bent over in fear from an infectious disease and you know kind of putting myself out there and running and trying to run as much food as possible to when people got a little bit more comfortable than going back and then being like okay we need to redesign this whole thing and so this and this big beer hall that's meant for seating people got cleared out we had just stacks and stacks and stacks of grain and cans, and I had ordered ahead, and we just started cranking. And that's when OIB really changed in to kind of what it is right now, which is you know uh, manufacturer and, and starting to put cans up there. So it, it's interesting to hear because we've checked in with a lot, uh, a handful of, of breweries and how they handled everything throughout the pandemic. One being your neighbor's uh, Lake Effect, Lake Effect Clint. Yeah, Clint's yeah, such we, a good dude. Yeah, we talked to him uh, a couple times yeah. uh, during the pandemic as well. Uh, yeah. And just hearing how everybody had to adjust. And I know I'm, I'm not saying that, you know, everything was a positive, but, it, you know, something like growth, you know, is, is such a nice thing to hear. Yeah. You know, it kind of changed things for you guys in a positive. Yeah. And just finding, like, having to adapt has, has made, it seems like, a lot of these breweries that we've talked to um, just forced themselves into something that maybe they weren't necessarily ready for, but sure. wanted to do. Right. Um, and a positive has come out of that. So that's that's awesome to hear, and I, I hope that for a lot of other businesses as yeah. well. Yeah, and I reckon, you know, uh, Brewers and people who start breweries are usually pretty industrious folk. Absolutely. So you know, like we're you know, you give us you give, you give us uh, some lemons, we'll make some really weird lemonade. So. <laughs> <laughs> Not just regular lemonade. Yeah, it's like alcoholic. <laughs> yeah. Slightly fizzy. Slightly Maybe fizzy. there's another fruit in there. There's yeah, a variant. Yeah, probably a puree. Yeah. <laughs> cool. <clears throat> so as far as uh, when you're starting off the the brewery. Um, I guess my question is, what was there uh, an idea or, uh, you know, yeah, I guess that, what was your idea for like the type of beer that you wanted to put out? Did you have like a certain style that you wanted to stick with or did you want to just kind of run the gauntlet and kind of just try everything? So um, that's a really good question. I think probably the latter, I think probably just wanted to run the gauntlet and try everything and see what stuck. We started off um, 
before we ever opened, uh, Jeff bought this like really awesome rig. It was basically the same as our brew house. It's a three vessel vessel brew house that was on the stand um, from More Beer. It was awesome. It had a bunch of automation, something I would never buy as a home brewer because it was like seven thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah. But um, we set it up in Jeff's garage, and I like basically he had like pegboards in there and everything, and I just set it up like a brewery yeah uh he, him and his wife still joke their garage has never been so clean because i would clean the floors at the end of the day just like a brewery <laughs> the whole nine because you know i was starting to get paid at that point to start doing r&d for when the brewery finally opened so i was like i'm gonna take it seriously and Absolutely. i would come in and i would brew proper beers and all that stuff and his daughter avery would help me out once in a while with like cleaning pots and stuff and um so we kind of came up with like our original six in that garage um and you know it was kind of ran the gamut from you know darker things that were maybe a little bit popular at the time winning on almost not being popular like, you know, like a black ipa but no. um we, some, have, we have a love for black ipas on this. i <laughs> actually like black ipas uh yeah if they're done right absolutely done i right. think that is the, i think, I think <laughs> we've said that recently yeah. yeah if they're done right they're yeah, really can, good yeah the, the bad ones always like seem to dry out your palate like a freaking desert between the roast yeah. malt and the hops you're like yeah. oh. No thanks. There's nothing thirst quenching about that. Yeah. Um, but the it's amazing how many beers actually stuck around from that time. Like yeah. we have, we still have Della, which I we created at Jeff's house. It was the first lager I ever brewed, um, and which we know it's ale or lager, whatever you want to call it. And then um, Sentinel, which was our IPA, which uh, we kind of call the protector of the brewery because that's the one we brought to our investors. So that's still here. Um, so there's, you know, and then Rat Pack was supposed to be a part of the original six. I ended up not brewing because it was like really cool an idea, really kind of complicated to brew. Um, but that one still, you know, makes an appearance every now and then. So, you know, um, but it's funny, like we didn't really have, I think, a, an identity when we opened up at all. Like we didn't, we didn't know who we were, you know, yeah. I knew that. I knew that I had a culinary background, and other people knew that too, so people knew you'd see some culinary ingredients. But really, it was a matter of just like trying out a lot of stuff and learning over those first couple of years um, before something hit. And what really helped us kind of create like a destination was, it was one of our business uh, partners, Rod Zach, who is uh, old friends with Jeff and is just a really great guy. He's one of the investors, uh, lives right down the street from here. He's a huge beer nerd. This guy travels all over the country for beer. You know, he he's the guy who waits in lines. I was never that type of beer nerd. I liked beer, but I liked the beer I could buy at the grocery store, not waiting in lines. That's and, me. Yeah, so <laughs> I, you know, <clears throat> he was this guy who was bringing all these hazies to me, and I was just like, what the heck is this? And at the time, you know, I was a purist before I, I really knew what I was doing, and I was just like, I'm not making any hazies. Anymore. I did stupid hazies. And, I was, I, and then I had a couple, and I was like, I was going to get into that. Yeah, I'm yeah. glad you're transitioning. I was to like, that. Wait, I was what? This. this is delicious. And I really started getting into them, and he kept on bringing me. So I had my favorite breweries that I really liked that made them, and I said, okay, I'm going to make a hazy. But I did it begrudgingly, and I called it trendy with an I. That's right. Um, yeah. It was between that and Lennings. I was, you know, being very kind of uh, thick-headed about it. Um, and my idea, my original idea was for every new uh, new one that we made, we'd add an I. And Jeff hated that idea, but I wanted eventually, like, if we got to 10, just to have, like, 10 I's on it. It was trendy. <laughs> um, it became pretty apparent pretty quick that that's what people wanted. You know, yep. people were coming in for each release, and some of them would drop clear. Some of them were not right. It was really an experiment that everyone was willing to be a lab rat for and give me their honest feedback. 
and no one seemed to mind. And yeah. that was the coolest part. So the guests were giving me real-time feedback, whether it was on Untapped or directly to my face. And um, eventually it became clear that that had to become a beer, right? So we went and we wanted to get the name trademarked because at the time we thought we had to get every name trademarked. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, we had a really good lawyer friend, Brian Tihan, uh, who was part of Folk Art, who was just, you got to get these things trademarked. And I had a bunch of adults in the room telling me, I got to get things trademarked. So I'm like, all right, we got to get things trademarked. <laughs> Um, so we tried to get that thing trademarked. There's a freaking wine company up on the north side here that I've never heard of called Vin Trendy. Uh-huh. Super cool people. I called them up and I said, hey, apparently your name is too close to my name to get trademarked. Can I, can I trademark it? And they were like, absolutely. It didn't matter. The patent, uh, the trademark office was like, hell no. Uh-huh. That's still too close. And we're like, all right, back uh-huh. to the drawing board. <laughs> and so I think I was looking up. Jeff and I, Jeff is a very organized person, like I said, so he's got a spreadsheet for everything. It's an ongoing joke here at the brewery, like, oh, you got a spreadsheet for that? <laughs> um, he did. He had a spreadsheet of names, every name you could think of, and he would just add new things that he would hear out in public or whatever, and uh, I found, like, this old-timey uh, name for the nose, which I thought was cool from, like, the 1920s, and it was Beezer. Like, I'll hit you in the Beezer, see? Uh, <laughs> and I thought it was kind of cool. It's a lot of aroma hops in that beer, so we landed on Beezer, and... I, and I, I said to Jeff, I remember when we were coming up with the name, I said, Jeff, you just got to say it a bunch. And so like Jeff was at home working out, and he's like, Beezer, Beezer, <laughs> on his phone, like recording it. And then he was like walking the street, Beezer, Beezer. And I was just like, because he wasn't sure. I was like, that's weird. Uh, but all right. And, and that's kind of where we landed on it. And, uh, and yeah, um, then, you know, you fast forward a little bit of time. We kept on, like, tweaking that recipe. Like, and just, like, it was it all of a sudden it, it became all the things I loved about brewing craft beer in the first place, which was you're always chasing something. You're making yep. like these tiny little details and turning the knobs and you're learning more stuff. And I was spending like nights, like I'm, I'm not kidding when I say I was losing sleep over this beer because I wanted it to be so good. Right. And I'm talking to the OGs. I'm talking to the guys who made like the original hazies, Roger Cusales, right? When yep. he was made, when he, you know, uh, came up with, um, what's the name of it now? The, uh, uh, trademark inf- uh, infringement beer. Um, it's not squirt, but it's like the squeeze it. Uh, when oh. he was uh, over at, you know, and people were like lining up for squeeze it. And uh, BJ, uh, that was over at um, Forbidden Root, when they were making their OG hazies, like I was talking to these guys, and each person had a different thing. And then, you know, you read of these articles where all these brewers are trying to explain yep. exactly how it's happening, but in my mind, I'm like, they're all brewers. So, you know, they, they, it's a little bit of science and a little bit of bullshit. <laughs> and so I keep on like falling down weird rabbit holes. I still remember Pretty Haze Machine when I made that thing and it dropped out beautifully clear. And I was like, the first time I'd ever put haze in the name of a beer. And I was like, ah, <laughs> shit. Damn it. <laughs> I think the same thing happened to one of the first hazy beers I tried to do. Because I yeah. was like you, I was not... I was not sold on hazy beers when they were first mm-hmm. coming out. I'm like, oh, this is a, this is a gimmick. I'm yeah. not interested. And one of my relatives, uh, Paul, I was brewing with at the time, he's like, you got you got to try them, man. You got to try them. So I finally did it, and I was like, mm, okay. I, I get it. I get it. I, I get what's good about it. But, yeah, my first, I think the first attempt I had, I uh, it, it was not it was not hazy at all. And it wasn't yeah. until we talked to um, Eric Flores over at Whiskey. He was another person I yeah. talked to all the time. He's amazing. He gave me the, the most... Uh, the best, you know, uh, 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 not, what was ideas? Uh, advice. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for myself. Uh, best <laughs> <You're> advice. <laughs> best advice uh, on how to not only get it hazy, but why it's hazy. Right. And why you're getting, you know, what you're actually trying to obtain, which yeah, is an that awesome silky, you know, smooth mouthfeel. Yeah. Uh, exactly that. Right. We're always chasing that thing. And I think for me, at Moto, one thing that we did there that you know, if you don't know what Moto is, it's a 
fine dining restaurant, and it was what we call avant-garde or like molecular gastronomy cuisine. The whole point of the experience was to give you something that looked like one thing but tasted like something completely different. And once I got myself in that mindset and I said, I need to make juice, yeah, you know, so what is juice? And I literally took like a refractometer and I took orange juice to find out how sweet it was. Um, and then it was about viscosity. What color is orange juice? How do I get that color in term of SRM to my recipe? And it was literally just trying to emulate juice, right? Because sure. uh, that's really what you're trying to do. And to get the kind of sweetness that you want, at that time, you know, uh, I just didn't want to use lactose to get there. So I started uh, just knowing what we know, right? You, and and it was, I was talking to Lance from Omega, getting information from him. So I introduced some dextrin malts and I'm doing high mashing. And, you know, now I'm, now we're talking about chlorine to sulfate ratios. And I'm just learning all this stuff. And we had a pretty good product. You know, Beezer was pretty good. It wasn't great. And so I remember in 2019, I made one last little touch. And it was these two big things that I did. And that was... I upped the chloride to sulfate ratio and I changed the amount of dextrin malt that I was doing. It was something like that. Mm -hmm. And in those two changes, that product that came out, we really loved and, and people responded really well to it. And I'll never forget, uh, Bob from Alarmist was down here and he goes, 2019 gold. And he like was drinking. I was like, shut up. Because they had just won gold in 2018. Right. They were the first gold uh, the, the, to medal ever on the hazy category. I'm like, yeah, right. Yeah, that's going to happen, you know, because it's a little bit of luck, right? It's a little bit of luck and a little bit of talent in those competitions. Absolutely. And sure as hell we go. And, I mean, it was so funny when we were at GABF. I, I took my team because I just wanted this new team that I was kind of, like, creating and putting together to go out to Denver just to see Denver because it's beautiful. I loved the first time it. I went, yeah. you know, and I didn't win a single award, uh, you know, 2017. Um, so this is two years later. Didn't enter anything in 2018. 2019 took the cats just to show them a good time, you know, get them really high and be up in the mountains. Um, and we were, I sat us in like the very, very back of that auditorium and we're watching, you know, uh, Kevin Carey win gold on his, you know, on his um, uh, Imperial pajamas, uh, barrel age. Yep. And we're, I'm like freaking out for Kevin. I'm like so happy for him. And we get to the end and of course, you know, we, we haven't won anything yet. And Hazy's the last category. So we're packing up, you know, we're getting ready to leave. And, and uh, everything else like that. So I'm getting my coat around. And I put us in the back so we could be closer to, you know, Just bars and beer out. and yeah. getting out because I hate crowds. And uh, they say Beezer, you know, and I like, kind of go numb for a second. And I'm like, <laughs> someone else called their beer Beezer? Also, yeah. <laughs> <Yeah, right. laughs> oh, hazy, how dare you? That's not us. Yeah. That can't be real. And then all of a sudden, Tim, who's here right now, just does his Tim do, <laughs> like rises up from his seat. And I'm like, oh, this is happening. And then finally, like, we're sitting there all hugging each other. And the guy behind us is like, you, sh you should go get your award. And then, like, salmon upstream against humans because everyone's leaving. Yeah, right. That's the last category. We're, like, walking up, like, excuse me, I have to get my excuse me. <laughs> we just won. My... Yeah, so we go up there to accept our medal, and, like, no one's there anymore. But it was cool, you know. <laughs> so me, Will, uh, Tim, and uh, Brittany, who was our salesperson at the time, up on stage. And it was awesome. Get off the stage, and uh, first question I'm asked is if it had lactose in it. <laughs> of course, yeah. yeah. Josh from the Tribune. <laughs> comes up and he's just like ah oh, just real quick is there lactose in that <laughs> Jeez, thank really you. dude thank you Josh. <laughs> yes no there's not josh yeah, yeah. there's so no, no no lactose in beezer um so that obviously i think to, like that's a really long way of answering your question of like that's where the identity started and we were like all right cool let's let and then it set then it was me and jeff sitting down like what kind of styles do we want to do that we're going to actually put out to market now the stuff we do here is, I, I break it down like this. We do your classics, 
classically, and we try to like really stick to it. If we're going to do a Reinheitsgebot beer, we're going to do a Reinheitsgebot. It's going to be yeah. proper. We're going to lager it. We're going to pour over it because that's what brewers drink. When we make lagers, it's like um, it's like dressing up for your friends. You know, you're. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't look what I, I don't. Think. I don't yeah. necessarily need other people looking at me. I just want my friends to <laughs> think I look good tonight. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little offensive. That's a funny uh, way of putting it, but I, know, I, I get it. But it's true though. It's like when we when we make our lagers, we're making to impress each other more than anything else. I mean, if, if people start liking them and start buying the crap out of them, it'll be so nice. We actually saw a ton of them at the pub, which is awesome. I think this is a very much a lager area, and I think lagers are on the rise, um, especially when you see like these amazing uh, lager houses opening up, whether it's Dovetail yeah, or... Um, Goldfinger. Oh my god. Have you had the beers from Goldfinger? I've had one. And a friend just brought me a four-pack the other day. Everything I'm so excited. Had. Get out there. Go to Goldfinger. Uh, but I mean, you have all these great loggers, so we're in a we're in a logger town. Yeah. And and whether you know it or not, uh, Lake Michigan actually kind of has like a, a perfect water profile for loggers. Um, uh, so this is maybe I why I didn't know that about uh, for loggers, but I didn't. Just, I may, I know. I just know in general, being yeah. as a home brewer, yeah. Chicago water is like the easiest to work with. It's so good. Um, and so yeah, uh, so if, if we're gonna do classics, we're gonna do them classically. Uh, we're gonna do some stuff that's in vogue, whether it's hazies or fruited sours. You know, uh, stouts, all that good stuff. And then there's a paddle your own canoe area where I really want to kind of still be able to experiment because that's still a big part of who I am. Like I want to kind of like push the boundaries a little bit and make myself uncomfortable. Sure. That recent gamel-hearted beer that we made with our, our friends uh, to the far north, uh, Hammerheart Brewing. Mm-hmm. That was uh, so far outside. I'd never used smoke malt before. Um, smoke, malt, smoke malt scares me. Scares the crap out of me. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not it's not something that's friendly to a lot of people. Yeah. You've got to be very careful with it. Yeah. And I think they sensed my fear. Like, they can smell it. <laughs> you know, they're like, we use smoke malt all of our things. And I'm like, uh, guy, okay. you know, Austin is like a, in a, you know, a black metal band. And, you know, they're, they're, they very much don't care about what you think. They're going to make beer that they like. Yeah. And if you want to drink it, drink it. If not, fuck off. Like, yeah. they don't care. And I love that about them. But... I'm in Chicago, and it's a very competitive beer market, and so it's like, you know, you make choices like that, and it's always very scary. And you know what, though? Once in a while, you just got to go for it, and we went for it, and the beer, you know, we made a barley wine that was 12.5%, it dried out, and I was like, screw it, if we're going to go that far, let's use this new yeast I haven't used before, and let's throw some weird mushrooms at it that taste like maple syrup. And they were like, okay, we we didn't mean to go that far, dude. I'm like, while we're at it, (laughs) while we're at it, we're also going to buy some fucking maple syrup barrels in some port barrels and we're going to double age that shit and blend it and they're like all right dude you can calm down now <laughs> so yeah that sounds fantastic i am it actually the the base is doing okay you know it's uh you know usually smoke beers just get ripped apart you yeah. know it, no matter how good they are uh but people have been pretty amendable to it and there's some guy you know you always have like these like local craft beer pages where you know it's it, it you know these guys always give their two cents on it. and someone actually said Gamma hearted as fire, and I couldn't believe it. And of course, every comment under that was like, "Meh, it was okay. It was kind of yeah. smoky, but." And I was like, I just kind of came in. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to tell them exactly what we did to make that because I think if you have that perspective of like, it changed. Yeah, yeah. We're like, hey, you guys seem to like mostly like our beers. This is what we did though, and it was you know very fun and very uncomfortable. And I gave them like an overly just. You're a craft beer page. Yeah. You want to know about craft beer? Here's a big ass paragraph. I'm going to take the time to show you guys exactly what we did. You know. I have a so. hard time being. I can't imagine what it would be like. Being, you know, uh, having a brewery and seeing 
especially just on you know threads and and, and Facebook pages like that. <laughs> Me personally, as someone who enjoys just buying beer, yeah, I, I get tired of it. I'm like, I don't give a shit about what you guys are saying there most was, of the time. I think I learned something a long time ago. I've been screamed at in every language, right? Because I've worked in kitchens my whole <laughs> yeah. life. I've had frying pans thrown at me, <laughs> knives, you know, like. Yeah, I've had uh, my one of my chefs like used to take plates that I would make if I was up late with whoever was on my station. We smash them in, in you know in sinks and stuff. So it's like, you know, and if someone wants to give me their lighthearted feedback on a on a on a media sure. site, that's yeah. fine with me. Yeah. Um, and I think you know, I always told my team members when I was in restaurants, and I tell people here too. It's like, look, we all don't like these things. It's not easy to take uh, feedback or criticism, and uh, yeah, a lot of it is bullshit, but. If you sit there and you don't allow it to be such a negative in your life and you can use it as a tool, like you can look for trends and sure. you can look for things that maybe a lot of people are saying and it can really guide you. You don't want to let it over guide you and you certainly don't want to go chasing beers that maybe you're not passionate about or something like that, but definitely use it as a, as a tool for growth instead of letting it get the best of your ego. So you guys making a brood IPA anytime soon? Uh, no, okay. absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad that trend went away. Yeah, uh, people told me about it and I was like bone dry. If there's something I know about the Midwest, people don't like bone dry things. These kids were raised on Fago and like yeah, no super kidding. sweet drinks. RC. Yeah, and RC Cola and stuff. I was like, this is, not, this is not the area for dry. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I, I just I wouldn't let that stuff. It was actually funny. One of the guys from one of those pages, he comes in all like, here all the time. He's a really good guy. He's been a uh, craft beer lover forever. Was sitting at the bar with me one day, and we were just chatting. And this guy kind of inserted himself into the conversation, just started giving me his feedback on some of the beers that have changed over time and how he didn't like it. Mm-hmm. I just sat there and I was kind of agreeing with him. And Abel keeps looking at over at me like, "You're gonna lose some shit." <laughs> He's got his mouth is agape. He's just like, "Oh man, it's about to go down." And I was just like, "No, dude, it's all good." I was like, what did you like about the last one? I just I kept asking questions, and Abel was like, I can't believe you just sat there and took it. And I was like, what? He was just giving me, like, feedback. Yeah. Like, it's all good. And I never, the guy didn't even ask who I was. That's the funniest thing. <laughs> like, he didn't know I'm a guy making the beer, so yeah. I just kept yeah. on listening to him. And then eventually, like, answering his questions enough where he's like, wait, are you the brewer? And I'm like, <laughs> I don't really brew it anymore. I mean, I, I write the recipes, but the guy yeah. back there brews it. So, I mean, he'd probably be the one that got, would get offended more than me. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I, before the question I'm asked, did you guys have, I feel like I'm, I'm going. No, he, I had many questions that he just kept rolling with and answered them without even me asking. Like I said, so. I'm a talker. I'm sorry. No, no. We, this is going to be so great for me Good. to edit. Thank you. Because <laughs> uh, I don't have to do much. Uh, I do have a question. Uh, but we were talking about, you know, all the other beers. And, and one of our favorite beers, we kind of touched on it, was, was Krampus. Yeah. So I kind of wanted to get into that and how that came to be. Sure. And, uh, you know, I, as you said, you know, you guys made, you know, more you know this year and that was that's great Mm -hmm. uh we and i I know some other people that we follow on social media feel like it's uh it's cool that it's still kind of like an under the radar beer that's just like i feel like cool for our neighborhood yeah obviously we would love to see it you know to a certain degree love to see it you know where everybody i like that i can get my hands on it yeah but how did that beer come to be because we feel like it's just uh uh an amazing Barrel age stout, which you guys do with the variants, and uh, I feel like it's very underrated. And yeah, you should get some more. Well, props. I appreciate that. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, especially with, especially sorry, especially with being just like you know in Chicago. I mean, totally barrel age. Well, yeah, exactly, you know? <laughs> and I think that's probably why we fly under the radar in a lot of ways. Um, but yeah, Krampus, you know, was a, a thing I had uh, originally made. To it was like one of those tie-ins where we we talked about. The fact that I got a culinary background and I really wanted to introduce like the food beer thing. And I think there's no better place to do that than in the dark beer realm. Um, and I didn't 
I don't know if pastries were exactly like crazy popular at that time or anything like that. And I wasn't really going for that. I was going for just a really nice dark beer. But the whole idea was, you know, basically Santa gets cookies and milk. Um, Krampus gets a really high ABV uh, <laughs> beer that tastes like cookies and milk. So the whole grain bill was created around um, a chocolate chip cookie, uh, oh. you know, just a classic chocolate chip cookie. So you've got lactose, you've got your milk for the cookies and milk piece or the butter or whatever you want to say in the, in the, in the cookie recipe, you've got chocolate malt, which is your chocolate. Obviously you've got your, uh, at the time I was using crystal malt, I don't anymore, but that was kind of acting as like your brown sugar area. And then, you know, really meaty based malt, um, like, like high grade, you know, like cake flour or something like that. And that was our, uh, Maris Otter, mm -hmm. uh, base malt. Um, when we first made it, it was like 6%, and then we made like a higher ABV version. Um, we actually, starting to barrel age it was only because we happened upon some barrels from our friends at uh, Few. So mm -hmm. the first year was in uh, Few uh, whiskey barrels. Ooh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and they were tiny, they were like the 15 gallon, you know, little <laughs> barrels, and I lined them up along the fence on the floor. But it was cute when we used to have floor space uh, back there. <laughs> and we really liked what came, I mean, we were all surprised. We had like a two head uh, HDP filler that we were filling off of. And, you know, we had introduced, I think maybe we only had like a couple of different styles and, you know, we were, we didn't even have a plan for like how we were going to get it into people's hands. We just said, okay, we're going to put it on social media that we're going to sell it on this day. Each bottle was hand dipped and, you know, people came in and my friend Aaron calls me, who's like my uh, wife's best friend's husband. And he just, and he's a huge beer guy. He's like, Hey man, uh, when does the line start? when we released it and I was like what, what? <laughs> no dude you just come in and buy it yeah. and so like that day all of a sudden I'm like all right we have to actually like maybe think about this a little bit and sure enough like a little line formed and people like lined up for it and got it and I was like okay well that ruled yeah uh, let's do that again and so uh, each year we've tried to kind of change the recipe a little bit to be different um, this next this last year I've got this amazing brewer um, it's his day off today but his name's Will Robertson and he is very science-minded um, he's a little bit older. He's, he's seen some things. He's been a home brewer forever. And uh, he, we had been talking to like some other brewers about this boil down method, kind of more viscous work yeah. and things like that. And he'd kind of mathed it out. And, I'm, and I'm, I started kind of picking uh, these new ingredients that are going to add more chocolate profile. So I try to get like more and more chocolatey every year. And so we've just kind of been making little tweaks as we go along. But uh, this year, 20, uh, 2021's brew was probably my favorite tasting wort of them all. Um, it was super viscous. Uh, we introduced some chocolate rye this year. Uh, the barrels that we got in this time, we just filled them, um, are these really awesome Elijah Craig barrels where each one has like a cup to like two cups of whiskey in the barrel. Like when they, they were super wet, oh, wow, like, wow. you know, and so yeah, when we pop the bungs on, like they almost hit the ceiling. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's how that's how pressurized and, yeah. and, and how put together they were. So we did that. Um, some barrel stuff that we did, like we have some rum barrels uh, that I'm definitely backing up with more whiskey barrels just in case it doesn't work out. But the plan is to take these four square rum barrels, the white head ones that you see down there, and um, and do like a cocoa Krampus. But we'll see. You know, if it doesn't work out, we can maybe do something else with it. But uh we're definitely starting to have fun um now that i have my stacker we're going to be kind of maybe growing that krampus brand a little bit but we're also going to be introducing some more barrel aged beer because i'm like obsessed with it now cool. and so i want to do more like you know barrel aged barley wines barrel aged stouts barrel aged quads you know all that good stuff and just keep stacking barrels um i was lucky enough to get uh marty's ear the other day uh from revolution uh when they did their release and that dude he just is so nice. He like <laughs> was giving me tips and he was here for the Krampus release. Like that That's night, awesome. I like, 
I saw him and I like beelined right to him. And, like I was in the middle of a conversation. And someone was like, "What the hell, man?" I was like, "Sorry, I gotta go." And I just sat down with him and I started talking to him because I, you know, he just makes such great barrel aged beer and so. Yeah, it's, it's been a fun kind of experiment. And then all the variants are just plays on cookies that I like. <laughs> like this year's peanut butter no-bake. My mom used to make like a no-bake cookie uh -huh. with peanut butter and the oats and everything. And it already has oats. So all the bases are there's vanilla, there's That's chocolate, awesome. there's everything else. It just made sense to introduce some peanut butter. And so if you want, here's the secret. If you want to know what kind of variants I'm going to do uh, of Krampus, <laughs> follow my stouts throughout the year because that's where I kind of test out all the variants to make sure that they're going to work because I'm not going to be experimenting on crackers so you know ancient yeah, magic that makes sense. You like ancient it. magic you know yeah. you saw the peanut butter there um, you know you'll see you know, coconut stuff coming out things like that you know and so this year you know I think next year I think we're so obsessed with just doing like a nude Krampus I think uh, Maplewood actually had the same idea they just did a neat I thought that was a good name for it because all I could yeah. think is like Krampus Nude, and I'm like, you got to get that out of your head. You need a <laughs> you need a better word. And Maple was like neat, and I'm like, that's awesome. That was that's a way better word than mine. Like naked naked Krampus. I mean, <laughs> naked Krampus is kind of fun though. Yeah. So uh, no no adjuncts at all, and just do like barrel awesome. beer and time, which I'm excited for. So yeah, man, yeah. it's been a fun journey. Can you speak to uh, the brandy barrels that we had this year? That was kind oh, of yeah. unknown, but I think that's kind of where this led to and where this totally. idea is. Speaking of neighborhood guys, uh, some neighborhood guys opened up a distillery called Star Union Spirits okay. um, out in the Burbs. I'm struggling on which Burb it is because they all, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I moved straight to Chicago. I did not stop at any Burbs on the way in. Peru, good move. Oh, it's in Peru. Oh, uh, there you go, in Peru. I should, that's an easy one to remember. i got to remember Peru, <laughs> Illinois. It's all right. Anyway, these guys are amazing. Um, Bob Windy, uh, he comes around repping all the time. and. He brought by this apple brandy barrel, and he's like, maybe you can put something in it. And I had some extra Krampus. I threw it in it, forgot about it for two years. Whoa. And John, the mailman, which is a mailman named John, <laughs> um, who we really like. He's an old hippie, big, long beard, super nice guy, and always shares, like, massive whales with us. Finally, one day at the bar, was like, hey, man, what's up with that brandy-aged Krampus? And I was like, oh, you know what? I don't even know. So I went in the <laughs> next room and pulled a sample for him and I, and I said, that's awesome. <laughs> I was like, we're not going to do anything to that. Yeah. And so we put it on tap, you know, for the first couple of days. And it was kind of a fun thing for us to do. And I guess we're going to be getting in some more brandy barrels to do some more kind of cool stuff with that and maybe throw some stouts in there. So, yeah. Yeah, that was the first uh, non-adjuncted Krampus? First one ever. Yep. Mm -hmm. I missed that one. It's okay. It's just on tap. <laughs> just, yeah, it's funny. It's like anybody who's in the industry and loves barrel aged beer really loved it, uh -huh. and then like other you know people who really like the other Krampuses with the big you know other flavors going on weren't as big of a fan. But I really love the barrel character, the brandy character. I, I thought it was very cool. So yeah. Yeah, actually, uh, the we were talking about some of our favorite beers that we had over the year. One that ended up on there for me was when Revolution did their Apple Brandy Ryeway. Yeah. It was yeah. really good. That was Apple, I think Apple Brandy and just Brandy in general is a good barrel. For Which is so funny because you would never imagine yeah. it, right? You don't think of Brandy when you think of this stuff, but it makes sense. Yeah, it you tastes know. really good, especially when they're high ABV beers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah. so that's fun. Did you say, Clark, did you have the apple brandy? I, I did not, okay. unfortunately. No, I thought you did. No, but I, you made it seem like you did. I, I was <laughs> just saying I'm sorry for you that you didn't get a chance to. I'm sorry for myself I, as well. I was here for the, the Krampus release. Like, I was here, doors open. Yeah. I was walking in, found a, luckily found a spot at the bar. Wait, at, at Tuesday, um, I, I was coming to pick mine up. What was it, Tuesday? Well, yeah. yeah was I was like, oh, I'll just show day. up a couple minutes after they open. No one will be here. I'll walk in, walk out. And I show up, and it's packed. Yeah, Literally, I, like 12.15. You're, you're going, surprised. This is awesome. We were surprised. <laughs> <laughs> My front of house staff was really surprised. 
uh, that that night. I think the next day I talked to Scott, who's one of our servers. He's just a really awesome guy. He's I'm like, hey Scott, what did your pedometer say yesterday? Because like, you know, I'm like, I want to run. He's like 26,000 oh steps that day. Yeah. He's like, yeah, and I worked a double. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> so he was looking a little worse for wear on Wednesday. He's like, I'm a little tired, dude. I'm like, yeah, no kidding. You guys were rocking. And yeah, and of course we added that whole crap as carnival thing, which was cool. Josh, our, our new general manager, and this girl Jen Denrider, who's absolutely amazing. Uh, she's one of our bartenders, but she also has this like um, Windy City Devil, White City Devil. Uh, candle company but she organized everyone to like make this uh, Krampus market which was so cool almost yeah. like a Chris Kindle market in the I back of all these it, artists oh, yeah. they were so cool uh, she organized the whole thing it went over great apparently a bunch of those guys had a really great day so we got to support local artists That's it was cool. freaking awesome so yeah I was about to say, uh, I yeah. assume that'll come year. back. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And she oh, brought, yeah. like, her own dude dressed as Krampus. <laughs> who honestly was a little creepy, but... <laughs> it's, 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 it's the perfect way for that. But even uh, we had Hexa, uh, who now does a lot of the coffee for our beer. All of it. They've got all of it. <laughs> Parker's, Parker's like my coffee BFF. Yeah, yeah. Hexa's awesome. Uh, and people just loved him. And he brought like 30 bags in the middle of the afternoon on a Tuesday. Yeah. And he had to send someone to go get more coffee. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, it was awesome. You guys have never had his coffee. I'm yeah. going to make sure that next year I have the day off so I can come in for that. Yeah, do that. These guys were sending me. You know that they were there and like it was crazy it's crowded he was there drinking i'm lucky that i work from home yeah and literally i work just walk over here and yeah. a lot a of people blocks away yeah and a lot of a lot of you know and the funny thing is like we're so easygoing and approachable if you see us back there at any time having beers at the end of the day which usually happens approximately at 4 p.m you know people can just wander back all the time like it's That's crazy awesome. like people don't even realize like we're usually drinking something weird you know someone's brought in a bottle somewhere and we're very open and inviting like anyone who's around you know how the craft beer industry is anyone Absolutely. who's around is, is getting a beer you know yeah. <laughs> so I, you know I, and I and especially on days like that i'm like i'm trying to get people out of that area so i'm like come on in the back Set up a couple barrels we can drink back here let's go yeah so well we i could i feel like i could sit here and, and, and keep talking because i feel like i do have more things that i do but i but we're gonna wrap it up here cool and 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 maybe we'll i got one more question before we do so but sure. uh i think maybe if you're interested would love to come back maybe yeah. sometime uh you know early like i said i think this is gonna be maybe the first episode of 2022 so later we'll say later this year sometime in 2022 sure. if you want to sit down and, yeah. and talk again because we got some more i'd like to talk about yeah i mean we're doing some big things here in 2022 really expanding That's exactly going where on. i wanted to go with the last question was what do you guys got planned for 2022 you know uh, we're, we're we're finally very organized because <laughs> <laughs> what <laughs> yeah when we first opened up you know me and jeff were kind of doing it all you know and and what we had people kind of helping us out on, on the brew pub side but like really on the distribution side and everything like that we didn't have the kind of help that we have now um, Matthew has been absolutely key uh, integral piece of helping us organize communicate with our distributors and make sure that we're we're approaching the market in a smart way being able to do that and being hyper organized also means that I get to kind of you know I know when those beers are happening which means I've got more room for fun experimentation sure um, so I'm really excited to introduce a lot of new beers. Uh, there's going to be some repeats from last year, but we're going to keep on throwing out new creative fun stuff. A lot of collaborations coming up. Um, we actually have one coming up uh, to brew next week with phase three. Um, so my point is, I think I've got enough cool street cred to hang out with cool kids. <laughs> so you did it. <laughs> uh, you know, Goose Island was cool enough to do one with me. Yeah. 
Um, you know, I've had I've had uh, you know a few breweries in here, Illuminated, uh, Maplewood. You know, these all these awesome breweries, and now I really want to continue that and really push it even harder this next year. And so it's like every brewery I come into contact with, I'm a collaboration. When are we doing a collaboration? <laughs> um, setting up one with more as well. Um, so we we're trying the, to the Broken Bridge we had last night. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. The, dude, that was awesome beer. That turned out great. Man. It was really Clint nailed it. it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Clint, just so you know, Clint is the guy. Who everyone did that he's done a collaboration with everyone. Absolutely. Everyone who started a brewery, Clint was always the first guy to be like, "Let's collab." He's the nicest dude. Go out there, support him, buy his beer. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the whole thing behind uh, 2022. We want to get really hyper organized. We want to get more representation out there, and then we just really want to push quality as always, sure. uh, making the best possible product we can. So yeah. Awesome. Also going to let us make even more lagers, more time in tanks. Oh. <laughs> That's a big one. Yeah, we're, we're growing our lager progr- oh, nice. program. We're going from 30 barrels to 60 barrel batches of that. Ooh. And we're going to be pushing those out on the market because we love them and they sell fast. Perfect. Well, yeah. Can't go wrong with better. that. That's <laughs> all, and, and the lagers here are good because when I have people that are not craft beer drinkers, like this is the place we always come. Yeah. And I'll say, you know. That is true. Try, their, try the lager. Yep. I guarantee you will like it. And it's, yep. like, it's like the gateway for them. That's the whole, the whole reason we carry Kolsch. Yeah, we don't we don't carry any macro here. You know, there's no secret macro behind the bar. Sometimes there's some highlights in the back, but that's for me. Yeah, you're not allowed. Hey, hey, come you on, can't, you can't have it. Hey, you gotta have highlights. It's the champagne of beers. Yeah. I love it. Well, uh, well, thanks again. You know, we Thank really you. appreciate you guys taking the time today to, yeah, to talk lot, to guys. us. Thank it was you awesome. awesome. We love coming here. We love your beers. Love everything you guys are doing. And I feel like you know. This conversation was great. Now I, I love this place even more. Thanks, so, man. Thanks. Appreciate that. Hell yeah. Brandon, love you, buddy. Love you too, man. Clark, I can't believe you're still here. So many shows in a row. Uh, that's weird. <laughs> yeah. We're going to end that. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Thank everybody. You. Bye, guys. Later. This has been The Malting Hour. Be sure to follow us on all social media by searching The Malting Hour and at themaltinghour.com. You can also follow us on social media platforms individually. Brandon can be found on Instagram as bmdub81, on Twitter, bdub81, on untapped, bdubdrinksbeer. Tony can be found on Instagram and untapped under Chicago. on Twitter, Chicago. Clark can be found as Clarkowski on all three. Be sure to subscribe, like, and rate the show on your preferred podcast listening platform. Until next time, cheers from all of us at The Malting Hour. Thank you.